This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we do talk about bullying. That's very responsible of us. We are very mature in that conversation. Dr. Wendy Craig is our guest. We also talked to Andy Barrar about his uh, reviews of Echelon competing with Peloton and what that all means. And are you okay with mammals? And you won't believe what some of them can do. And that's the part of the podcast that I'm not really proud of, but it is fun. All right, it's time for us to check in to Are You Okay? Oh, this one. <laughs> That's a good start. Are you okay with Costco trips? No. I am no. not. I don't like anything where you have to be a member and it's you exclusive. Don't like anything. I don't you like anything. Have, That's you could have true. ended that out there. Yeah, right? that is true. No, but last time I walked into a Costco, I was meeting a friend there. I'm not a member. So he's like, meet me at Costco. So I walk in and I got, it, it was like going into a highly secure area. They chased after me. They're like, sir, yeah. we need to see your card. Mm-hmm. And I was just mm-hmm. like, it's just a big box store. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very good, that's the only part of Costco that's not cool. But I have to admit, I'm 24, I don't have a car, which automatically means I do not have a Costco membership. However, any chance I can to hitch a ride with someone to go to Costco so I can get a hot dog for two bucks, done. Mm -hmm. That was like when my parents woke me up on a Sunday, it's my weekend, and they said we're going to Costco, immediately it was a good weekend because of those hot dogs. They're pretty good hot dogs. I will agree. Um, well, at a Costco, there is a video that has surfaced on the internet of Rick Schroeder, Richard Schroeder, if you will. We can just call him Richard. You might remember him from Ricky Schroeder of Silver Spoons in NYPD Blue. He filmed himself, stupid, berating a Costco worker at one of Costco's Los Angeles stores over being refused entry because he was not wearing a mask. According to WTRF News, the Costco supervisor remained courteous and professional, even as the uh, D-list is generous actor, challenged him over and over about being denied entry into the store. The employee told Mr. Richard Schroeder, I was going to call him Dick Schroeder, Uh, that his Costco store was merely following California state law and that he believed COVID restrictions might end in June. Here's a clip. News? You didn't see the news. Nationwide nationwide Costco has said you don't need to wear a mask. Actually, that's not accurate. What what is accurate? So what is accurate is that Costco always goes above and beyond when following the law. And the mandate in California has not changed. There does seem to be the possibility that in June... By mid-June, that's a date that California, I know, oh, if is they allow at. us, if they, if they grant us that, our kings, the people in power, you're going to listen to these people? Well, I know they destroyed our economy. Well, they're so destroying they're our evaluating. culture. They're destroying our state. And you're just going to listen to their rules. Well, what we are going to do is simply follow the guidelines. Okay. I'm getting my refund. I'm getting my refund from Costco. I suggest everybody in California get their refund from Costco. Give up your membership to Costco until they remove this. Oh, wow. God, that guy sucks. Mm -hmm. See, now he doesn't like things. I'm not that bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, he's a Costco member, clearly, and he's looking for his refund, so the old acting career must not be going well. Nope. Just saying. Um, okay, so he records it himself and then shares it himself. And what the result of this, I think the guy's name is Jason. Is the, Do you remember that? Yeah, so uh, I can't hear you right now, by the way. You're muted. Um, I can see you. You with no shirt on, but now you're silent. Um, anyway, Jason was the name of the guy at Costco, and there's an awful lot of uh, talk online about let's make Jason be uh, employee of the month <laughs> at Costco for maintaining his composure through all of the things. All right, 877-399-9898. You're welcome to contribute, too. Uh Dwayne says Costco trip. Sure, everyone needs two hundred pack of toilet paper. Well, it is it is kind of awesome. Catherine says I love the pies. They used to have an apple pie there that was amazing, and they have a pumpkin pie. I don't even like pumpkin pie. It's pretty good, and um, you know I I call it the three hundred dollar store. It's kind of like you know the only place that you go, and the minimum order is three hundred dollars. Although I did leave Costco paying thirteen dollars one day. I thought that was a record. Are you okay? Are you okay with leopards? I'm going to say yes, just to be different this time. (laughs) I'm okay with leopards. No, they're fast. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I Mm -hmm. like that. They're spotted. They're spotted. Ironically, can usually be found on cougars. Leopard. Print. Oh, ha. Yeah. I, that's pretty yeah. good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Fun, fun <laughs> fact, the snow leopard is my favorite animal. And the reason for that is my grandpa had this, like, bad-ass painting of a snow leopard on a mountain hanging in his apartment that, that is forever just on my brain. And uh, from that moment, I was a kid and went, whoa, that's cool. Yeah, favorite. All right. So yeah, what about leopards are sweet? <laughs> leopards are sweet. Are leopards so sweet when they escape from the zoo? This afternoon, no. a leopard cub is back in her exhibit after escaping at the Greenville Zoo. The city says the cub got out around 10:30 this morning. They say zoo guests were moved to a secure location while staff worked to secure that baby leopard. She's so cute. The mama leopard and the other cub did remain inside their enclosure. The zoo is open, but the leopard exhibit will be closed for the rest of the day. Aww. Oh, Aww. cutie. Aww. Cutie That's patootie. Uh, that went well. Greenville Zoo, yeah. well done. Yeah. Well, in China, there's a zoo there. More than one, probably. Uh, the zoo in eastern China is facing criticism for hiding the fact that three of its leopards escaped over a week ago. I don't know if this is the same zoo that had a dog that they pretended was a bear. It's not. It's not, oh. unfortunately. And they pre- they pretended it was a lion. Oh, was it a lion? It was a lion. A golden um, retriever has a lion. Um, well, this is a different story. According to the Global Times newspaper, two of the leopards from the Hangzhou, I don't know if I'm saying that wrong, Hangzhou mm-hmm. Safari Park uh, have ca- been captured, but the third one's still missing. You happen to see them. According to Sky News, the safari park finally reported the missing leopards last weekend, but villagers reported seeing animals as early as the 1st of May. 
<laughs> no, that's dangerous. To add insult to uh, personal injury, the leopards were at large over China's five-day Labor Day holidays when all kinds of tourists visit the city. And one of the country's most popular destinations hangs out thanks to its tea plantations and scenic West Lake. Sounds pretty. Uh, why did the zoo not make an announcement? Well, because according to officials, uh, it's China, and I'm pretty sure you go missing after that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the young leopards were believed to be less aggressive, so they didn't want to make the announcement to cause panic. Less aggressive. That's funny. Authorities are investigating the cause of the leopard escape, probably a hole in the fence, and have questioned personnel in charge of the safari park. Does not make me feel better. You know um, the story about the tiger and the guy who had the tiger in the car, and there was the tiger outside the house, but then he got in the car and disappeared. Then he showed up again, and they couldn't find the tiger? Did they find the tiger? They found the tiger. tiger oh, that's okay. good. Is the tiger okay? I think so. Good. So, okay. Wow, that's a lot of big cats here on the show. Yeah. Well, okay. Meow. I've worked inside the aquarium zoo industry. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that goes on that they don't. Of course you have. They don't want. Of course I have. It's one of my 5,000 jobs. But it's, there's a lot everywhere. of stuff that goes on that they don't really, you know. It's not good PR. about, Especially about animals leaving. And coming back and getting them back, (laughs) even sea animals, it's surprising. Um, So, yeah, it's not surprising to me that uh, they would try to downplay leopards leaving. Yeah, I mean, mean, it's hard to hide a killer whale that gets out, you know? Yeah. Not so hard to hide a seal, though. Oh, (laughs) wow. Uh, That would be interesting. But also, if you saw a seal walking down the street, you're probably, well, maybe not in Vancouver. Maybe that could be a thing. It's like, oh, look, there's a seal. It's, it's more of a thing in Niagara Falls, where, where you know, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I see. Where they just they just pop out of the river, huh? That's what you're yeah. saying. Wait, yeah. If you pop see if you river. see a seal on the road, wouldn't it be singing "Kiss from a Rose"? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was horrible. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad jokes coming at you. My God. But if you see a beluga go over the Niagara Falls, then you then you know what's happening. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody everybody loves belugas. Are you okay? <laughs> Uh, hey, right. Did you happen to notice that this is like the all mammal all the time? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Uh, all right. Merry Christmas. Uh, all right. Thank you. Ho, ho, ho. Are you okay with mammals? This story has no audio, and that's probably for good reason, or Ryan went out to get a chalupa. Could be either one. New findings published on Friday suggest that pigs, rats, and mice are actually capable of breathing through their butts. Um, Ryan? Wow. Yep. Um, just to be clear, um, butts has two teeth. Well, but I didn't, uh, okay, yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. you caught me there. You got your right. button? That's a typo. There it is. Um, anyway, these animals are capable of breathing through their butts, and you might be able to do that too. Give it a try. That's what the shift is here for. <laughs> Give it a try. Right now. Hold your breath. You know what? That'll be the headline, right? Nighttime talk show talks audience into holding their breath until they pass out and try to breathe through their butts. That would be us getting famous. Turns out mammals can breathe using their intestines. Hmm. The research team wanted to find a potential alternative to mechanical ventilation. 
a medical treatment where machine pushes air into a patient's lungs through the windpipe. Where is this going? Ventilators deliver oxygen to the lungs and help remove carbon dioxide from the blood, but the machines aren't always available. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed how hard it is to survive through a shortage of ventilators. Without intestinal ventilation, mice placed uh, mice placed in a low-oxygen environment survive for only about 11 minutes. With ventilation, <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. All right, Brendan. I oh, um. I can't. Do you want no, to read it? No, no, no. I I don't believe I can read that. Maybe Ryan should. Ryan typed it. Well, he spelled I'm it back. right too. Actually, I, so yeah. No, hold on. I lost connection. Where are you at? I'm, uh, I would like you to continue um, from the second last paragraph without intestinal ventilation. Because I'm tapping out. I can't do this. You, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah. Do you see why I got no audio for this? I usually, if there's a story that doesn't have a news report, I like to find a creative piece of audio to paint a theater of the mind. Do you yeah. want theater of the mind for this? I no. think it's neat, but it's it's gross. So, it's, okay. it's questionable. Okay, Kim. So th- this, is a, this is a research from japan and the, the, as mentioned there is a reason they're looking into it so All right. without ventilation from the butt mice placed in a low oxygen environment survived for only 11 minutes however with ventilation <laughs> into their butts 75 why do you, why do you say mice... that you didn't write it like that you wrote you wrote yeah. with ventilation into their anuses yeah, you don't get to edit it on the fly. Well, see, I like to edit on the fly. Um, oh, dear God, I would like, like to, to apologize loops. right now uh, for this. Yeah, okay. Look, we're getting you're you are you need to you're you need to get lost in the science, not the language here. Okay, because here's the crazy <laughs> part: seventy five percent of the mice that had the tube breathing them from not their lungs survive for 50 minutes that's crazy so believe it or not there is a clinical human trial starting next year with this <laughs> so if you find yourself in the hospital I'm in gonna, 10 years time I, having I'm trouble gonna find breathing, this sign up form and I'm putting Ryan O'Donnell on the sign up form for volunteers <laughs> I do not consent um, thanks to the infusion of oxygen that reached their hearts, uh, the team then tried using oxygenated liquid rather than gas in mice, rats, and pigs, and they found similarly promising results. Following the success in the animal models, uh, Takabi said that his team hopes to start a clinical trial of humans. No way. Okay. Um, yeah, which is fine. Look, if it saves your life, who cares, right? That's fine. Maybe it saves your life. That's awesome. I just hate to be the next guy who gets the ventilator after you've had it. <laughs> well, let's just <laughs> hope the tubes are just disposable, you know? <sighs> no, thanks. I'd rather suffocate. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It's just crazy. I just, uh, I, that's a headline I saw and couldn't resist. I'm sorry. But yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some poor husband somewhere who gets his life saved through this method and then goes home and gets still gets in trouble because he's gassy. I mean, every husband in the world right now knows that one. 
Are you okay? <laughs> Had to take a breather there. Are you okay with Pokemon cards? Not really. No, I'm going to go back to no in the negative category on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy, eh? I was always Yu-Gi-Oh when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. I like Pokemon cards now. I mean, I don't use it, but I was always Yu-Gi-Oh. All right. I don't know who that is. What color is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, I can't start. It's going to okay. just to go. Just do it. All right. Um, WISN News 12. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to read this because <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't trust what's here now anymore. <laughs> I wrote that as a reminder of myself as a note to... <laughs> to to put that in, and I may have forgotten to delete that. <laughs> wow, it's not even Friday. This has gone so far off the rails that, like, you talk about dumpster fire. This is the dump on fire is what's happened here on the shift tonight. Okay, so, um, again, I'm going to tap out, and Mr. Shirtless over there is going to finish this Are You Okay? Because I can't read his mind. I'm crying, dude. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Yeah. Got to catch them all. Sorry. Buy them all. That's the problem here. Okay. The demand for Pokemon cards is crazy because of the pandemic and uh, also streaming people opening rare card boxes online and making boatloads of money from them. Uh, And it's driving some people in the U.S. and Canada to do some pretty stupid stuff to get them. Here's an example from, I've always wanted to do this, WISN News 12. Brookfield police responded to a fight in the Target parking lot after one man pulled a gun on a group of men attacking him over sports trading cards. Police arrested the four accused attackers and say the man who pulled the gun is a concealed carry permit holder. No shots were fired and no one was seriously hurt, but Target and Trader Joe's nearby were on lockdown for about an hour. People looking for sports cards just skyrocketed. We talked to an expert here in Brookfield who says it's all about supply and demand, a scarcity that's driven up the price of a box of new cards like this one above $400. There's a big majority of it they're doing for return on investment. So that's the gambling part of it. It can be. So it's almost like the golden ticket Willy Wonka uh, theory. You put certain cards that are really tough to get and there's big value. They're hard to get, but you might get it. So uh, I would like to add the Willy Wonka as the most accurate part of that story. Please continue. Now, so shortly after that happened, Target announced it was suspending all sales of Pokemon cards and sports trading cards. McDonald's has had to put a statement out issuing that Happy Meals containing Pokemon cards can only give out one Pokemon card toy because Mm -hmm. people were reselling Happy Meals for $100 online. EB Games, a place I worked at for almost six years where I watched Pokemon cards sit on the shelf for years. Well, they're now having to put in a whole stop and reducing the number of cards that people can buy in person and online. So it's getting out of hand. Ridiculous. And all of the moms in the world are saying, get out of my basement to the card collectors. Just saying. This is the Shift Podcast. As you might know, I love words. Words are this 
glue that holds us together. That's what matters to me. Big shocker, right? Radio guy likes words. Well, inside that, there's a word that's come up for us recently here on the shift that really has me curious all over again. And that word is bullying. We had a conversation a few weeks ago uh, just around bullying and what is the definition of bullying? Is it possible that we need to look it up? My original understanding of bullying was um, sort of consistent attempts to to harm or intimidate and so on and so forth. And when we look up the word bully today, it doesn't really imply anything consistent and ongoing, which was a definition a few years ago that was out there, consistent and ongoing attempts to you know, coerce or intimidate and those kinds of words. Now, maybe the, maybe the word has changed a little bit. Maybe it's been clarified because that does happen. And so thought we thought we'd get some some help from Dr. Wendy Craig to talk about bullying. Wendy, you live in this world all the time. This is where you work. Absolutely. And I think you've actually nailed the key issue that's happening right now in the field. You know, when I think about when I started this work in the late 80s, nobody talked about bullying or the concern was, what's the big deal? It's just children's play and kid, let mm-hmm. kids be kids and they can resolve it. And then, like, in the beginning of 2000, people started to realize the seriousness and the significance of it. And it became a word that was really meaningful. You know, school policies were built. They had definitions, as you described it, as a power imbalance, a relationship that where a person used aggressive behaviors to harm and hurt another. um, And that it was likely repeated over time and it wasn't a one-time kind of thing. I think what happened was now we're in a phase where it's almost became a word that was overused. So kids themselves have stopped talking about bullying or they overuse the word because yeah. they know that there are consequences associated with that word. So now they talk about drama, you know, um, and other words that are just replacing what is bullying. But what is bullying hasn't changed. It's just how we're talking about it maybe has changed or referring to it. Well, and because bullying had a consequence that stop bullying me became the easy out after all of this use of the word bully, right? Like it became this easy out of stop picking on me became stop bullying me because if you're bullying me, that means I get support. Um, And so I found that it was getting used so much with my kids who are teenagers now, but over the last few years, they almost used it to a point of... uh, it was almost like a, an escape hatch, right? And uh, it, it became a word that sort of became wallpaper again. And that concerned me because bullying to me is so prevalent in society. I think it's everywhere. It's a very fine line, actually, in a lot of different worlds, like humor even. And it makes me curious about a generation gap. Wendy, is that, and you brought me right to it, which is so cool. In the 80s, when you were doing this work, bullying wasn't, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't really a thing, right? Now we have all these kids, uh, these people that are adults today that were kids in the 80s that are teachers today. They don't have the same experience around bullying that kids today do. And I'm curious if you found anything in, in that world of the disconnect between these generations of what is bullying between kids today and adults. Well, I think two comments to that. You know, the first comment is there was a societal shift. Like 
people, you know, through research and education and awareness, we came to understand that there were there were consequences associated with bullying, that it was a serious and significant issue. And kids who bullied regularly and frequently when they were young were at high risk for having lots of negative outcomes from mental health outcomes to criminal outcomes. Um, so there, that that reality became real. So I think there was that shift that happened from the 80s to 2000. But mm-hmm. where there's a disconnect that you might be getting to right now is around cyberbullying. Right uh-huh. now, that's the disconnect between adults and, and children and youth themselves. Because, you know, on, on the one hand, in, in face-to-face or offline bullying, um, kids are talking about it and they're reporting it, but they're not reporting cyberbullying because, the, you know, one of the things that parents do that actually makes the problem worse is they take away the technology. And so there's a disconnect between how they're reporting or what they're talking about, whether it's online or offline. And that makes me curious about certain vehicles like Twitter, where adults daily are participating in bullying and not only bullying, the sort of counter bullying, which is this sort of cancel culture notion that somebody says something and then everybody pounces on them, which in turn becomes the bully gets bullied, except by a large crowd of people with pitchforks and torches. So the the behavior sort of online creates the behavior. And that must be hard to target. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, you're right. It is challenging. But I think like what happens online is that people become less, they're less inhibited. They feel like there's a sense of anonymity. Um, they've lost the emotional cues or the, the nonverbal cues. You know, they don't have that emotional connection to that person where they're saying those negative words. And so it's the online context that it, in some ways is changing how we interact and communicate with one another. And I think that's going to have long term effects on the way that our kids develop and, and how they develop over time and how it changes their brain development, actually. But I think in the short term, the consequence is that a lot of aggressive behavior is being done online for exactly in the way that you talked about it. And that's role modeling for kids that it's okay to use these kinds Mm -hmm. of behaviors. It's it's okay to treat people and insult people and say mean things online because it's just in Twitter and maybe you're just defending yourself. And in the end of the day, it's not okay. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Um, Because where you just took me there was my thought was, you know, in real life, we're empathetic, right? And we try to not be judgmental. But then as soon as it's online, the empathy goes away and the judgment comes on. So really... What you just got me curious about there is the fear of consequences, because if we bully in person, it's possible we get a <laughs> beat up or something, right? Um, or someone says something harsh back to us right to our face and it hurts. So maybe we're not so empathetic after all. Maybe we're just afraid of getting suffering the consequences that come with bullying, whether that is getting suspended or criminal things or whatever. It's or, curious, isn't it? Or we're not thinking or seeing the impact that our words have on an individual because ah. we're that much removed from them. We're on a screen. Yeah. We're not seeing how it's landed, how they're receiving that, those harsh words. And I think the other thing is that, you know, you know, not too long ago, we had a very powerful president, you know, role model and make this kind of behavior acceptable online. Mm-hmm. And so it normalized aggressive behavior online. Yeah. Um, and that kind of reset it backwards. Yeah. So how are we doing today with bullying? Because I don't want to have this conversation and, uh, under, and not create the understanding that 
you know, the distinction between the way bullying is treated today versus the way it was treated 20, 30 years ago. You know, bullying in Canada, still a thing. Are we doing better? Uh, yes and no. I'd like to give you a good academic answer. Yes and Sure, no. that sounds great. I love it. So, <laughs> you could so, be a politician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, politicians don't actually answer it, but uh, so you're better than And they might be bullying that. others, so yeah, no, I'm That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how are we doing better uh, and how are we not doing better? Okay, so a um, couple ways that we're doing better. About one in three youth are reporting being victimized um, by bullying behavior, and that's face-to-face bullying. Um, about 40% of youth, four in 10, are re- being reported being victimized online. And there's overlap in those kids. So we still have a very high percentage of kids that are reporting being involved in bullying, whether it's online or offline. What we do know is that that number, you know, and it it's, has not increased over the years. It's been relatively stable um, in the last five years. Um, and that's a good thing. It means that like our prevention programs are working because we know if we don't have a program in place, the numbers would be skyrocketing. But because we have programs in place, we're able to, to keep that number stable. In an ideal world, we'd like it to be decreasing, but it's not yet. We need to do more work. So how do we do that? I think it's, it's, it's you know, the, the work is happening in schools, um, but I think we have to expand the work and we have to think about... Um, you know, lots of people think that, you know, having a bullying prevention program is the way to solve it in schools. And that's only part way. Uh, if I think about our bullying prevention programs are only about 20% effective. That's about how effective they are. So they're not as effective as they could be. Why not? Because I think when we deliver a program in school, we think, okay, we're good. We've dealt with bullying. We've delivered the program. The reality is that you're interacting with kids in school for 24 other hours rather than, yeah. you know, at school. And so you has, as adults in that school, as educators, as parents, as administrators, as principals, you have to live into the principles that you're teaching into that, in that bullying prevention program. And that's the hard part. You're role models. You're, you have to show how to resolve conflict in positive ways. You have to step in. You have to be effective. You have to identify bullying when it's happening on the playground or when it's happening in the school halls. Like that's the, that's the issue. It's, it's not like these programs go in and they train kids and they teach kids about how, you know, how to be more positive in, and pro-social in their interactions. But we as adults have to make sure that they continue to do that outside of that hour when they've been just taking the program. So here's something that's literally right into the trench of life for you. And uh, I, I'll throw it out there, understanding that it's anecdotes from kids at school. And not, you know, like this, it's just situational. And so how do we deal with the teachers who are bullies? And here's why I asked that question is because the kids are hyper aware of bullying. They've been told over and over again, this is the kind of behavior that's bullying. Then they walk into a classroom with a teacher, whether that teacher is a 35 year old teacher or a 60 year old teacher, just looking at that, you know, timeline of education and bullying is so drastically different. I mean, there could be three different generations mixed in there of teachers. So the kids are aware of the bullying. And what I've seen, again, uneducated observation, is there's a shutdown that happens with the kids. Well, they tell us we're not supposed to do this. But every time I walk in the classroom, the teacher calls me stupid. And um, 
how do we deal with those people? How do we deal with the teachers? Because there's this respect for authority. Don't bullying does shouldn't come from teachers and teachers tend to stand up for teachers. I'm finding a big gap in the way that teachers treat kids versus the way that we tell kids to treat kids. Well, I think the first thing is that we have to give the teachers the tools and the resources. We know that when teachers have the training, uh, you know, and the awareness about what the issue is and the ability to self-reflect on their own behavior, um, and we give them resources in the classroom, that there are lower rates of bullying. So that's the first thing. We have to give them that awareness. The second thing is we have to monitor and check in with them and make sure that they're they're doing the job of being a positive role model, modeling how to resolve conflicts, communicating um, in, in pro-social ways. Like we have to support them in that behavior and make sure that they're, they're staying that. So maybe we need to be putting in teacher mentoring programs. If you look in Scandinavia, that's what they did. They invested a huge amount in teachers and teacher education and teacher support and created teachers um, sort of mentoring groups. And that was their way that they addressed and reduced bullying um, in their country. So I think, yeah, it's an investment and, and we have to provide resources and training and support them to be the most effective and positive that they can be because they've gone into education because they believe in supporting and educating kids. Yeah. Oh, and I believe in teachers. Don't get me wrong. Um, my sister's a teacher. Uh, I believe that teachers are those magical humans that bring the future of this entire country, economics and all things forward. And so, I mean, they're incredibly important. So it's not a, it's not me coming down on teachers per se, but it does happen. Hey, we're adults. We have bad days, Wendy. Sometimes we have a bad day and we take it out on the first person we see. That goes back to one of your first statements in this was the power imbalance. Sometimes when we feel weak, we tend to try to um, impose strength on others, right? Yeah, but you know, I, I'm going to say we all do that. And what what's the most important lesson that we can teach kids is we're human, we make mistakes, but it's how we repair them, Yeah. right? Like, so that's the other piece that a teacher can do. A teacher can say, you know what? I need everybody to stop for a minute. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I need to talk about that I made a mistake and I need to apologize to so-and-so for calling them this negative name. And that was wrong. And I should have done this behavior. I should have stopped and calmed down before I interacted or whatever you're teaching them as skills. So it's also a great teachable moment that we can take into our classrooms that we all are human and we're all going to make mistakes. But if we correct them and role model those skills, then that's what the kids are going to take away. Wow. Humble living. That's a notion, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of us don't sit and look at that stuff. So that's very interesting. And deep self-awareness, right? Like that's hard stuff. That is hard stuff. And it's uncomfortable stuff too, when you dig into it. And just when you think you've, you've peeled back the onion one time and you're like, yeah, man, I'm woke. And then you realize, oh, there's a whole nother layer of blind spots inside this onion. And you're like, oh crap, I got more work to do. That's kind of how it all works. Well, you know, I'm I'm a parent and I, I think about this a lot. And so, you know, sometimes when things go not quite the way that I think they should go with my relationship with my daughter, you know, my first thought to myself is, what do I want her to learn in this moment? And that mm-hmm. changes how I go into the moment. And I think it's yeah. that kind of self-reflection that's really important for educators to do and really hard and tiring sometimes. Yeah. We, we've had that question come up here on the shift, which is, what do you want? And it's not a, it's not some sort of deep hippie study if people are you know hesitant to do those things for whatever reasons. Um, that's okay. If you just start with the question, well, what do I actually want right now? 
And usually the answer is quite grounded and, and well, you know, I want my kids to be okay. Okay. Well, that's where you start then. Um, it's interesting. So um, Dr. Wendy Craig is the scientific director of PrevNet. Tell me about PrevNet.ca and why this resource is so important. So PrevNet stands for Promoting Relationships and Eliminating Violence. And what we do is we bring science to practice and practice to science. So on our website, we have lots of resources for educators, teachers, and parents, um, and adults involved with children and youth um, to help support them to create healthy relationships in those contexts. So, uh, and those are evidence-based and they've been co-created working with the stakeholders. So when we develop resources for educators, we work with educators to make sure that they make sense and they're an educator speak. So it's a, it's a, we'll give you lots of information about how to address bullying, what bullying is, some classroom strategies, some school-based strategies, as well as parenting advice, um, and how to deal with cyberbullying. So lots of rich resources. Yeah, lots of great resources for parents, especially as things start to change when the kids become teenagers, which including teen dating violence is on there as well. I wanted to draw attention to that one because I know an awful lot of us are dealing with uh, teenage kids that are out starting to live their own life. And that becomes incredibly difficult as well. That's a whole Um, other show. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a few shows, I reckon, wouldn't it? Yeah. My goodness. Um, prevnet.ca for the website. And if you're dealing with it at work as an adult, this is a great way to go maybe get a little bit of insight and all the things. Uh, Wendy, thank you. The thing I take away from this is that clean it up part that you said. Um, I don't hear bullying maybe the same way as some sort of sociopath thing. I also hear it as, I mean, yes, but I also hear it as Sometimes we have a bad day and we screw things up. And sometimes without intention, we intentionally hurt people. And that's okay. As long as you clean it up, we are human. Just, you know, don't do it again. (laughs) Try not to anyway. Um, Do I hear that as a real fundamental piece of kind of the way this lands? Yeah, I I think absolutely. I, I would want your listeners to hear that bullying is a serious and significant problem that we as adults all have a responsibility to support kids to develop healthy relationships. And, you know, all kids, and why I say all adults is any kid can can step in and support kids who are being victimized by others. Um, And we as adults have have a role to play in terms of being role models about how we resolve conflict, communicate, and, and demonstrate healthy relationships and support kids every day. Yeah. And adults can step in at work too and make sure other adults aren't getting bullied because our generations, we didn't get the same education and not everybody's on the same page. So it is a little bit ironic um, that there are two very distinct planes of life going on around this topic. Well, thank you very much, Wendy. I'm, I'm really glad to have you. This is insightful. And I think it's very interesting for all of us to sort of look at our jobs, look at our bosses. I mean, I've had the bosses in the past that are exactly that right? Fear mongering. And that's what they do. And I've also had the uh, bosses like today that are incredibly receptive, grounded, and um, I'm sure I'm not alone in, in that experience. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's the Shift Podcast. It is time already. It feels like we just talked to him last week uh, to bring in Disco Andy, Handy Andy Barrar.
There was a few weeks ago, there was a time where Andy told a story about going to Vegas, and ever since then, he's been Disco Andy, so we're going to stick with it. Now, uh, where Andy is, he has a community garden, and it's already ready for harvest with things like lettuce and such. I would just like to um, uh, take a moment with everyone else who is not in that place in the West Coast, where the forecast lows are minus one overnight for the next few days, and uh, we're basically going to our 17th winter this week, that, um, that it's not like that everywhere. And some of us can't even grow a garden or start our garden yet when Andy's is already being plucked for lettuce. Andy Barrar, how are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. See, this is the problem, Shane, is I, I feel bad like showing people my garden. Like I'm 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 torn. I want people to see it, but at the same time, we're so lucky on the West Coast that we had good enough weather for this to even have a garden already that's ready for harvest. Yeah. Uh, well, it's true. And hey, man, we can't hold it against you. You were smart enough to choose to live in that place. And that's all right, too. Um, and I started indoors, too. You got to remember that. Yeah, Everything I grew from seed indoors. So I, I was uh, I was really bored this winter. So I got started yeah. with some gardening. Yeah, well, COVID will do that to you. HandyAndyMedia.com. If you want to search up Andy Barrar. Uh, Andy has been losing uh, the weight over the course of the COVID. Now he's a skipper. And uh, how much weight are you down, Andy? Well, it's funny. Okay, so around this time last year is when I started to skip or jump rope. I learned on YouTube. I got super into it. And then by the end of it, I think it was about 20 pounds that I lost in total. So hmm. I went down to what I used to weigh when I was 16 years old. And I'm 40. So that's like... It was almost too much weight chain because like you could see it in my face. Like I just looked like a different person. Like I was so lean. So this year, now I get to eat and just like lift weights like a 20 year old and, and nice. try to uh, and try to not if get I had to, You know how much weight I would have to lose if I wanted to get back to 16? I bet um, you I would have to lose 70 pounds probably. <laughs> to get back to what I was like when I was 16. Oh, man. That is very sad, Shane. That is very, very sad. All right. Well, fitness is uh, is on your list here. Fitness is part of your Geeky Gadget Review Week this week. Where are we going, Andy? Uh, Shane, I got in trouble. Okay. So, you know, oh, everyone thinks that, okay, Andy's super, super fit. He's a tech guy. Let's get him to review all these new connected fitness equipment, all this cardio equipment. So mm -hmm. I got sent this new bike. It's a spin bike and it's called Echelon, the Echelon spin bike, which sounds very, very similar to Peloton. And I asked the editor, I'm like, listen, normally I don't talk about competitors when I review a product, but I got to talk about this elephant in the room. They, they ripped the name off almost. It's so similar to Peloton. They called it Echelon. I'm like, I got to talk about Peloton in the review. So the mm -hmm. editor said, okay, you know what? Fair point, go ahead. Well, that opened the floodgates and I basically compared this because I know anybody looking for a connected bike, anyone into a spin bike, uh, you know, where you can get live classes from home is looking at a Peloton. So I compared the, the Echelon versus the Peloton to help break it down to people on, on which one is right for them in this review. And it got published today and they took it down, Shane. They took it down. <laughs> And I got a big note saying that I compared it too much. I should have focused on it. I'm, and yeah, I'm in a lot of trouble. Wow. Um, well, there is a history of lawsuits here around all of this. Um, 
it was a couple of years ago that this first came out, and uh, I believe that Peloton sued Echelon for use of uh, <laughs> half of their name. <laughs> really? See, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. This is the and, first time I've ever heard of Echelon. So the first thing I thought was, like, you couldn't even think of an original name. Like, I'm going to obviously compare it to a Peloton now. And I did, and now I got in trouble. But that's what any normal person would have done. I think so. I th- and I think that's what everybody does do um, when they say, oh, what kind of what kind of bike do you got? You know, I, I've got an Echelon. Now, isn't the difference here, the, the access to the training, though, really fundamentally, is that like no. one company has uh, one training group and the other one is another one? Or can you just sign into whatever? They have their own like ecosystem, their own app. It's a subscription-based service. Now, here's the thing. The Peloton is a very expensive bike and you have to pay $50 a month. With the Echelon, you're going to save about $1,000 on the bike because the Echelon comes with a model that allows you to use your own tablet. So if you have an iPad or an Android tablet, you can download the Echelon app. They have a little cradle where you can sit your tablet and you can save a lot of money. So in the review, I basically, that's what I talked about. I'm like, you save a lot of money on the bike. But the thing is, the subscription is the exact same as the Peloton, $50 a month. And they have a smaller community. So I'm like, this bike is really for somebody who doesn't want to go the financing option for a Peloton, wants to buy the bike outright. So they'll buy maybe an Echelon, but the experience on the app is going to be very similar. However, I also mentioned in the review that I've never ridden a Peloton. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Like, And mm-hmm. anyways, the editor gave me trouble because he's like, you're comparing it to a Peloton, even though you mentioned that you've never tried a Peloton. But at the same time, if you go in online and do your research, you're going to want to know the price differences. And that's the stuff I put in the review. And I guess they didn't like it. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So I'm trying to think of this from a consumer perspective then. I would want, and there has been many different cases, including big, large mobile companies in Canada that have been busted hiring people to fill out reviews of their services and products on their websites, including paying their own staff to go review it and creating fake reviews. There was also a, um, uh, there's a place in Abbotsford, a little motel that I was looking up for, you know, if we ever allowed to go to hockey camps this summer for a hockey camp for my son. And I was reading through the reviews on hotels.com. And there's this sort of season of reviews where the reviews get all, they're normal. They're like, you know, I liked it. I didn't like it. It was dirty. It was clean, whatever. And then there's this big chunk of reviews that came out or that are listed on there that are all, they all name the manager specifically, you know, and I don't know his name, call him Steve. Steve was very helpful or we got there and there was a small problem and Steve helped us fix it. And he made sure that we got whatever. I just want to say thanks to Steve and his staff for da-da-da-da-da. And that, to me, seems incredibly fishy, as in, I'll give you a discount if you review it positively, or it's all BS, and someone's just going on. Now, with Hotels.com, I don't think you can review it unless you've stayed there. Now, here's the thing there, Mr. Airbnb tech guy. Here's a little secret that I know that happens with Airbnbs. I don't remember what the final number, I think it's $17 is the lowest you can rent your place for on Airbnb. Wow. I didn't know that. Because, yeah, because, because that's their fee. 
Um, and so something like that. And so what I know that what people would do is they would say, well, tell you what, I'm going to give you this code or I'm going to, there is a night coming up. I'm blocking it off. You're ready. Yes. You unblock it. You put it up for rent for 17 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. And you, um, and then your friend goes in and books it. And then you just tell your friend, look, I'll pay you the 20 bucks back. The email transfer your friend 20 bucks. And then tomorrow after their night is gone, or I've got no one in my Airbnb tonight. So quick, go book it. And then tomorrow morning, please do a positive review about this. And then for 20 bucks, you become a super host. And that's how many, many, many companies will do it. There's no one staying in my place tonight. Here's 20 bucks. Fill it out. The 20 bucks goes to them. I'll pay it back, but I need to become a super host. So take all of those individual stories and they think there's an awful lot of distrust with reviews online. And when you're, to me, when it is a good comparison of an echelon, you would want to know that that's the thing. And the fact that they paid you to review it and they're not publishing it, even if it sucks, I would say that that's the risk you take, isn't it? But I mean, at the same time, if you want to still have a job tomorrow, you probably should be nice. I know. I'm so torn. So now they're, I, I, I kind of looked at it. It just happened a couple hours ago where I got the message that they took it down and, and they want to make changes, like get the references of Peloton out there. So here's what I'm thinking, Shane. I wanted to ask you for advice. What I could do, like I look at this review. I'm very happy with it. I spent a lot of time you know, testing this thing out. I'll be like, just give me that review. Let me rewrite it the way that you guys want it. And then I take that review and I publish it on my website and I leave it there because I want it on the internet. So if someone's trying to make this decision, they have someone like me who can tell them the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't like being muzzled, but I always get in trouble every time. And it gets worse, Shane. I also get a smart scale. I have a smart scale that measures your, your body fat percentage. And this scale that I'm currently reviewing is giving me crazy numbers. It says I have 20% body fat, but I can see a six pack. I don't understand. The data is wrong. So I went to the gym and I tested it out with their machine and mm-hmm. it has a 6% variance in, in this thing. So now I'm like, how am I supposed to review this and say this thing is great if I have even empirical data showing a huge variance in the, in, in the score of my fat percentage? I remember when I got a Wii and they used to have a scale for the Wii for the fitness app so you could track your your uh, your workouts, right? Because they used to have the Wii fitness thing. And when it got on the scale and you put in your height and you put in your weight and then you have your little, your little Wii me guy and I did it and I entered it all in and then all of a sudden it's calculating, calculating and then bloop, it made my, made my avatar fatter. <laughs> so so it was what's dreadful. What's interesting, these new weight scales, you can actually set it so you don't see the number. They'll give you like a smiley face if, if you're doing well. And like, even if it's crazy, they even have it because it uses electrical uh, impotence is what it does to try to measure your body fat. If you have a pacemaker, you know, that can harm you. So they have a, a function now where you can disable that from happening just in the off chance that you happen to have a pacemaker because that could cause a lot of problems to it having that electric signal go through your body. So I'm learning mm-hmm. a lot about this stuff, which is very important, but the data is so off. How am I like, I don't want to write this review right now. I'm going to get in yeah. trouble again. 
Well, I would. I, that's what I would say. I would say that I'm sorry, but if you want me to write this review, I will. But the reality is, is that the the margin of error is too big for me to write about it positively. I mean, I mean, it's your it's your reputation, that's, right? That's, As a reviewer. That's, yes. That's the I mean, thing, but I feel pay, like uh, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose all these jobs because they're like, "You're not playing ball, Andy. Can't you just focus on the good things and try not to talk about the bad things?" But I'm like, uh, I'm gonna talk about what can. people need to know. If we were sitting in a bar, Shane, and you were like, "Andy, what do you think about the echelon?" Everything I would have told you at that bar is in that review. Like it was, mm-hmm. I, I, I laid it all out there for everyone to know, and I get in trouble for doing it. I'm, Get so frustrated. I appreciate I'm so hot the. Right uh, now. <laughs> no, and I know I get that, and I appreciate the integrity around it. But I would also say that is it your job to you know to really break it down? For example, here's what I've learned in this conversation about the difference between Peloton and Echelon. So um, Peloton has has sued Echelon for like uh, like trademark infringement. They've sued them for all kinds of things. Excuse me, patent infringement. And um, but Echelon has filed petitions seeking to invalidate Peloton's patents. So there are lawsuits going back and forth here like crazy. And I would say that's probably why they don't um, yeah. um, why they don't do it now. So, I mean, to me, I would just write the article and say that, you know, this is the benefits of a Peloton. It is a thousand dollars cheaper than its main competitor. And uh, but the subscription is no cheaper and the community is smaller. But its communities grow. Its communities growing. There are some stats that's, that say that it's the exactly, fastest growing fan base. And that's what I said. I actually said a lot of good things about the bike. They just didn't like the fact that I was comparing it to a Peloton, even though anybody buying a spin bike is going to have to com- do that comparison. So I just wanted yeah. to address it. And yeah, <laughs> this, well, is my life, I, this is my life. I'm trying to keep integrity. And trying to yeah. get paid at the same time. Well, and that's that's amazing, man. That's that's fantastic. And I would always say that you should take the stand in integrity. But I would suggest that if it's a thousand dollars cheaper, if you're going out to buy a Peloton, and the difference between the two bikes is a thousand dollars, I would say the consumer is probably a lot different because either you can afford a Peloton or you cannot, and uh, you're either shopping for a Peloton or you're looking for a cheaper knockoff. I, I would suggest that their consumers are probably a little bit different. Okay, Andy, uh, handyandymedia.com. Um, go check it out. If you refresh, 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 as he gets more pissed off through the course of the night, you might see that article pop up there <laughs> to be determined. And, uh, and as Texter Steve says, you sound skinny. So maybe you should go eat a burger or something, will you? I'll eat something before I go to bed. That's All what right. I'll do. Andy Barrar here on The Shift. Thanks, brother. Great to see your face. Thanks for popping in. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.